Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> hey, doing doing great. I hope you're doing good. Bill, I'm doing wonderful. Yeah. Doing wonderful, yeah. I tell you what, Jason, it's nice that uh, the weather has finally turned. You know, it's been this week was a little strange. It was cold uh, at least a couple mornings there. Uh, but now it seems to be normal again. So that's uh, – it's actually springtime. Well, this <laughs> this is North Carolina, so don't get used to it. No, don't get used to it. That, that is true uh, for sure. Uh, but it, it, it is it is really nice. Um, and so I'm, I'm just glad. I, I wish everything was back to normal. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's getting there. Uh, I think we're moving slowly and I think cautiously, and that's uh, the way it should be uh, for sure. And, uh, you, you know, from everything you read and hear uh, and see, uh, the, and I think most people are being cautious, and even as the state lets up, uh, and the counties let up uh, on uh, stay-at-home orders. I think, obviously, it's going to be prudent for us to continue to be cautious uh, most of the summer, uh, and may, maybe all summer and next fall, too. But, <laughs> you know, uh, at, at least uh, things are opening up again, and, and that uh, is a relief to all of us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We just got to take our precautions and mm-hmm. make sure we're being safe and Hopefully, sooner rather than later, we'll have a, a vaccine or some improved testing. Yeah, I suspect that's not going to happen until, at best, the end of this year. And and then it's going to be a matter of who gets it, uh, yep. who gets it first. Because, uh, you know, once they get the vaccine out there, it's going to be in short supply. Because the sure. whole world is going to be looking for it. Yeah. And uh, so, um, yeah, it, it may be months before some people are able to to acquire the vaccine. So, yeah. Anyway, we, until then, we keep we'll our, stay safe. Keep our yeah, keep our fingers crossed on uh, having a safe vaccine sooner rather than later. That's right. Well, Bill, let's yeah. get to the topic at hand. Uh, one of the things you had written down on the list here is why we should have a will. Well, no question about it. And I'll, one thing that this pandemic uh, has has done uh, is that it, it's given uh, folks uh, ample opportunity to think about the things that sh- we should be doing. Uh, I, I mean, uh, and it, even to the degree of cleaning out our closets and cleaning out the pantry and <laughs> getting the, you know, getting out and getting the yard in order. And a p- part of it is getting our affairs in order. In other words, getting our legal documents and to, uh, also reviewing our financial documents. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that the pandemic has done is it's given us uh, opportunities to slow down. Uh, and, and, of course, um, uh, with this um, invisible enemy out there, it's... Um, even for younger people, it's like, okay, you know, we actually are mortal. Uh, we do have a off switch, <laughs> and uh, we have no clue when it's going to be turned off. But I, I do think the pandemic has has uh, made folks realize that they knew, need to have uh, their legal documents. Um, you know, we 
recognize that we are mortal uh, and we do have an end date. Uh, so, um, so the first thing is why should you even have a last will and testament? Well, the, the primary reason is uh, real simple. If, if you want to control where your property goes or how it goes or when it goes uh, to your loved ones, you need at a minimum a last will and testament. That's, you know, uh, because, and a lot of folks don't realize this, um, you know, a lot of folks just assume, you know, if I don't do anything at all, everything will go to my spouse. You know, if you've been married, you know, you've been married for 50 years and it's like, okay, well, I don't need those darn documents because when I die, everything will go to my spouse. Well, I hate to tell you, but that's not what the law is. Uh, in fact, if you do not have a last will and testament, then um, th then your estate goes by what's called intestate succession. Uh, and that's a fancy word that says the state has a will for you. And if you have children and if you have a spouse, then the state has a formula where your estate is split uh, between or among your spouse and your children. Um, does not include stepchildren, uh, just your children and your spouse. And at least in my experience, my 45 years of experience, um, the folks I talk to want to control their property. They want to control it during their lifetime, and they want to know who it goes to because they have determined where it goes at death. Now, there are a lot of things that can skew your legal documents, and I've talked about that numerous times. You know, you can... You, the way you own your property, title to property, uh, affects in a big way your um, last will and testament or even a trust document that you have created. So um, it, it's important to understand because if you own property with rights of survivorship, uh, now, a lot of folks have survivorship with their spouse, and they want their bank account or their investment account to go to their spouse upon their death. Uh, their home may be owned together, uh, and they want the surviving spouse to own it. But then there are a lot of other folks that have a survivorship account with their son or daughter, and they have several children. Uh, but why do they do that? More often than not, it's because they want that daughter or son to be able to pay their bills and have access to their bank account to make sure everything stays in order. But at death, that account belongs to that one child rather than all of the children. And that's oftentimes a bad result. That can be changed with the power of attorney, but the banks set it up like this all the time. Uh, which is unfortunate because it seems to me like the, the banks never ask the question of does this affect your estate plan? Should we contact your attorney? Should we ask how this should be set up? No, they don't do that. They said, let's do it this way. And it makes it easy for the bank, but it, it can blow your plan off the table completely. So that's a, that's a bad result. And so uh, – and – 
Uh, or you can have a situation where you try to – I mean, I've seen folks who've copied other people's wills uh, and done stuff like that, or they've just tried to write their own will. Um, some – and that's always dangerous. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. We've had a case recently in our office where a fella had a sec- – he had children by first marriage, several – who all of whom were estranged. Uh, you know, I think it was a situation where his first spouse turned all the kids against him, and so every one of his children were estranged to him. He had no relationship with him. He had remarried, and he had a stepson, the, the child of his wife, that he became very close to, and he wanted everything to go to his wife or if she had predeceased him, which she did not, but if she had predeceased him to her son, his stepson, to whom he was close. He, he wanted nothing to go to his uh, natural children. Well, guess what? He wrote his own will out, uh, uh, t- trying to leave everything to his wife uh, and then to his stepson. Well, guess what? He didn't do it properly. It didn't meet the North Carolina requirements to have his paper writing probated. So, and to make matters worse, the one nice piece of property he had was the home, but it was in his name. And he had purchased this house while he and his second wife were married, but it was not in his second wife's name. It was in his name alone. So guess what? When his will was not uh, capable of being probated, then his estate had to be administered as uh, what's called an, an intestate estate, an estate without a will. So a bad paper writing is not anything. It's <laughs> okay. So guess what happened to the house and his property? It wasn't by his will. What do you think happened, Jason? It went by the state's will. Well, what do you think happened? I mean, what it do you think the state's split, will was? Split between the, the current spouse and his biological children. That's exactly right. So his wife, who he wanted to get the entire house, got one-third of the house. And guess who got the other two-thirds? Uh, the children. Three His three estranged children whom he wanted to receive nothing. And so to the degree that he loved his stepson and wanted something to go to his stepson, the stepson would have only inherited what his mother inherited. Uh, And that's it. So the bottom line is that's what happens when you don't have a will yourself or you try but you don't see at least an attorney who can prepare something that will work for you. <laughs> and so um, it's, a sad, it's a sad example. But we see that happen fairly frequently for folks that don't see an attorney and just try to carve out something on their own. Now, I realize that we have to take a break, uh, but uh, what I want to talk about when we come back, because I think most folks understand if they don't have a will, that they're not controlling where their property is. And, and most, most people, what they do 
is they create what we call a sweetheart will or a simple will or a I love you will, which is uh, in simple terms, it's I leave everything to my spouse and then equally to my children. That is a, a traditional, simple will, and, and that kind of will can work for some people. But what I want to talk about when we come back is why even simple people deserve to have a will that's not so simple often. Uh, and so because, quite frankly, simple wills are not necessarily what you really are looking for. And so I want to talk about some of that when we come back. That's great. We're going to uh, get to that right after this. If you need a will, if this is something that you've been putting off, take the time to schedule an appointment to see Bill. Call the office, 919-256-7000. is the number to call or go online to wgalaw.com wgalaw.com there you can find information about the services that bill provides you can schedule an appointment you can also check out the seminars coming up in june a quick break and back with more you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on fm 98.5 am 680 wptf news talk traffic Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we're talking all about wills, and uh, I want to get back to that in just a second, but I do want to uh, ask you how the webinars went this oh, past was, Wednesday. It, it was wonderful. I, I, You know, for me, it's. It's not as fun as being in front of people. I'll be the first to say it's much harder to talk to a computer than it is to talk with folks who are right there with you and, and raise their hands, or sometimes they just blurt out the questions, which <laughs> is hard to do over a computer. But, you know, our webinars, uh, the the information that we go over and teach uh, it is almost identical to what we do uh, in a live seminar. I think we get better questions at a live seminar. But the webinars are really terrific, and people do have the opportunity to ask questions, and I try to get all of them answered. Uh, it's, uh, but but it's it's been an, an experience. I mean, all of us have had to adjust uh, to the stay-at-home orders and, uh, and the like. Uh, but the, the webinars have been really successful. People have been very kind uh, as, I, as I try to get used to talking to my computer. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, uh, and a lot of folks, I mean, we have uh, a PowerPoint that's part of it. And, of course, we send out to everybody uh, an outline uh, and other information uh, for our seminars. So I, I think that folks who do participate uh, get a really good grounding in, in uh, the topics, which, of course, uh, for those who don't know, and I think most of my listeners know by now that we do this once a month, uh, and I'm really looking forward to the time we can get back to uh, face-to-face seminars again. But uh, uh, and that may be in June. It may be July. I'm not sure when that's going to be. It really depends on when the facility will open up again to where folks can come in, and hopefully folks will be comfortable uh, coming into that sort of thing. But 
But in the interim, this is really has been good. Uh, people have enjoyed it, and and uh, folks, you know, the ladies don't even have to put on makeup. You know, they they don't have to show me the video. They can even wear their pajamas for the <laughs> for the webinar. You know, there are some advantages to to them uh, for sure. But uh, we, I have fun with it. It's a lot of fun. That's great, Bill. I'm so glad to hear. And, you know, we encourage everyone who's interested. Maybe you missed out in May. If you want to sign up for June, head on over to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button and there you can find plenty of information. It is free to register. Well, Bill, let's get back to Wills. Before we took a break, we were discussing why simple people deserve more than just a simple will. Well, absolutely. And and the first thing I should say is that when you do planning, you should not think about just a will by itself because a will is, is simply a document that allows you to control how your property is distributed upon your death. But I like to think of estate planning as life planning. There's so many issues that can arise where you want to control at least who is helping you. And so powers of attorney are extremely important to folks. Medical releases, digital releases, advanced directives, all of those should be incorporated into an estate plan. And for any estate plan that we do, uh, that is a will-based plan, which of course is simpler, less expensive than a trust-based plan, there are six, actually six documents that, that we prepare as part of that plan. And, of course, the will is one of those six documents. Now, what, which one is the most important? Well, some people would say the will. Other folks would say the health care power of attorney. Other folks would say the general durable power of attorney. And I would say that the combination of the will and the financial or general durable power of attorney are the are two of the documents that are really important for asset protection planning and so let's why should i mean so many folks will come in uh, jason and they'll say well we're just simple folks and all we need are simple documents we don't need anything fancy and of course that's their way of saying we don't want to pay much for this stuff and i don't blame them for that but the fact is so many of my clients, and in fact, the majority of clients are more than happy to consider the options that they should look at as opposed to having a simple last will and testament. And by simple, I'm really, again, I'm saying a will that's, that simply leaves everything to your spouse and then equally to your children. And I'm not saying by in any way, shape, or form that a simple will is inappropriate for everyone. It's not. It is actually an appropriate estate planning uh, document for many, many folks. But the point is that a simple will is not appropriate for a lot of folks because there's so many uh, things out there that make it not necessarily appropriate. Okay, so what am I talking about? Why is it that way? Well, think about it this way. And you fall into this category, Jason. Uh-oh. You and your wife. What about you have minor children? That's so right. So what, I mean, anyone who has minor children 
should have something greater than a simple will. Because guess what? If both you and your wife die at about the same time, let's say you're in a bad automobile accident or in a plane crash or, or whatever, bad things can happen, um, and you have minor children, if you have no will at all, then that's the worst case because then there has to be a guardianship for your minor children. Your parents, your wife's parents might be fighting over who gets the children when really you wanted one of your siblings to (laughs) take care of it. Um, or Or it may require the children to move to a different location, to a different state, to, you know, those kind of things. And then who's going to manage their property? And then they get all of their money when they turn 18 years of age. Well, that's not a good plan. So how do you avoid that? A will, okay? Because in a will, and and most of the time for us, when we have uh, young people like you who have minor children, we create uh, a a trust for their children in their will. And for me, uh, and oftentimes you have children that may be a few years apart. And so we try to accommodate that because the, the simple way of doing it would be to say, well, uh, John gets half my state and Mary gets the other half of my state and, and, and okay. But we like what we call a common trust for minor children or a common pot trust, if you will. In other words, all of your property stays together to benefit both of your children until your youngest child reaches a magic age. And, of course, people have different ages for what that magic age is. For some folks, it might be 21. It's never 18, I can tell you that. Uh, Some folks, it's 21. For others, it's 23, 25, or 28. And most of the time, that's determined by the uh, parent's... um, history, if you will. In other words, if your parents sent you to college, then typically most parents feel like it's their obligation to send their children to college. Or uh, there are lots of parents out there who basically will take care of whatever educational uh, expenses their children incur right up through med school or law school or graduate studies or whatever. And then there's others who can't do anything. It's like you graduate from high school, buddy, you're on your own. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you do the best you can. That's that's life. And so but what I'm getting at is that in your will, you can determine, you know, you can create a trust. And uh, I, I encourage my parents to do a common trust until the youngest child because you know, there are lots of times where you you, you, you and your uh, spouse might die and one child has already completed college and the other child is just entering college. Is it is it fair to give them an equal distribution when you have basically supported the, the older child to a much greater degree than the younger child? And, and so a common trust actually uh, is more like what parents – would do in terms of supporting their children in terms of however they do it. And a good uh, will-based trust uh, gives you the opportunity. Plus, 
a will gives you the opportunity to say who you want to take care of your child. In other words, take their bodies and take care of them and feed them and that sort of thing. That's called a guardian of the person. And it also gives you the opportunity to appoint the person who will manage their money. And sometimes it's an okay thing to have the same person taking care of the children and the money. Uh, for a lot of families, it's better to have uh, one uh, person who's taking care of the kids and an, another person who's actually responsible for the kids' money. So it, it varies with every family as to what's appropriate. But the key is if you create your own documents, then you're in control of recommending to a judge who is appointed as the guardian of the person of the children, and you're, you are totally uh, uh, appoint the person who manages the children's money. And it also avoids a general guardianship uh, or what's called a guardian of the estate. Uh, so... And if there's a guardianship of the estate, it, it's, uh, it can be expensive, and it can also be a situation where uh, the, the, um, the guardian of the property has to file an accounting with the clerk every year, and, and that, uh, that it, it's not problematic. I mean, you expect your, your guardian to, to be honest as a fiduciary and uh, keep good records and things like that, you would expect that for your children's sake. Um, but the uh, uh, but it is a lot of extra work, and it does take uh, time and money to get that kind of stuff done in terms of it being approved every month. And if, um, so that's those are the kind of things that work for parents of minor children. Well, that's just one example. All right, so what might be another example where uh, a simple will is not appropriate? Well, uh, how many folks are in a second marriage or a third marriage, and they have children by previous marriages? And, and unlike the e example that I pulled out at first where there was, were estranged children, let's say you still have a wonderful relationship with your children and you love them and you want to make sure they inherit. Well, guess what? You know, if you have a simple will and everything goes to your spouse and that spouse is not the parent of your children, you probably have disinherited your children. <laughs> and that's not a good thing for most folks because most folks want to protect the inheritance of their children. Um, and it, there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of folks uh, that are in second and third and fourth marriages, and so their lives are more complicated, and a simple will is not uh, the a most appropriate way to plan their estate. Uh, and then we get to my real uh, strength, and that is seniors. And do we have time to talk about seniors at this, or do we? Let's have, let's take a quick break uh, and then we'll get to seniors. All right. Well, I when know. I come back, we will talk about why seniors may not want to have a simple will. Excellent. I'm looking forward to that discussion, Bill. We will be right back right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're talking all about wills. And Bill, we're, uh, we've been talking about why simple people deserve more than a simple will. And we were just going to discuss why seniors really need to take that message to heart. Well, no question about it. And and this is true whether the seniors are a second or third marriage or whether they've been in that they've been married to each other for 50 or 60 years or more. Uh, it works the same. I mean, because uh, as we get older, uh, you know, things oftentimes get more difficult, particularly physically, mentally, uh, the whole bit. And uh, oftentimes people are worried about, okay, we've acquired a nice estate. How do we protect it? How do we make sure that it's enough for us during our lifetime and then leave a nice legacy to our children and grandchildren? Well, the uh, oftentimes um, uh, as people, you know, one of the things that's really nice to see uh, in, in older couples is that they, they're living at home, taking care of each other. Both spouses have difficulties, and they lean on each other, and they take care of each other. And uh, in other words, they're making it through. Uh, but, but what happens frequently is when one spouse dies— the other spouse has great difficulty living alone. Uh, they don't have their spouse with them anymore to help them through their own difficulties, and they're by themselves. Uh, or you can have a situation where one spouse or both spouses are really sick. And what I'm getting at is a simple will for those folks, typically is what you do not want. Because most people understand that I do a lot of asset protection planning. And one of the best plans for seniors is what I call a modified sweetheart will. You, you want your spouse taken care of, but you also want your property to be protected for them and then be able to be distributed to your children upon your spouse's death. Now, this also this kind of plan also works for seniors who are in their second or third marriage, but it's just as important for those seniors who've been married for 60 years. So, uh, and it's as you get into those twilight years, um, you are focused on having enough money during your own lifetime, taking care of your spouse and leaving a legacy and protecting your assets. And so a trust in your will is one very effective way to protect your assets. And one of the nice things, if it's done correctly, as a what we call a supplemental needs uh, trust in your will, and of course, it, it's not a trust that you have to deal with during your lifetime because a will doesn't become effective until you die. So it's generally you're appointing one or more of your children to act as trustee for the benefit of your surviving spouse. And everything in that trust is asset protected. Uh, it coordinates with Medicaid, so there's no five-year look back. 
there's no sanction or penalty for creating the trust or having all of your property go into the trust for the benefit of your spouse. And then when your spouse dies, everything in that, spouse, in that trust is protected and can be distributed to your children and grandchildren without any kind of creditor claim against the trust. And so it's a beautiful way of protecting your spouse and protecting your children and being able for your spouse to be on Medicaid with no estate recovery against your property. So it's um, it works extremely well, and we use that kind of trust very, very frequently for our senior clients. But like I said, it, that can be just as important for uh, a couple with children by separate marriages as it is for one of what I call the Aussie and Harriet families out there uh, who've been married forever to each other uh, and uh, have uh, only their own children, <laughs> no strays, <laughs> and everybody loves each other and everything's wonderful. Uh, it's uh, nice to see when you when you see those. But um, one of the things that's I mean I love what I do because every family presents a different puzzle. There's no two families that are exactly alike. We all have skeletons in our closet, and we all have issues that uh, need to be dealt with uh, with your estate planning. But that's what makes it fun for me. Why do you think that people have a tendency to just want a, a simple will done? Is it is it the money? Is it they don't want to think about death and what happens when they're gone? Or is it just a combination of all of the above? combination. Uh, there are a lot of folks out there who just think no matter if they don't do anything at all, things will work out, uh, you know, the way they should. And, and of course— the opposite is actually truer than not. And one of the sad things is that uh, people, your children, your grandchildren, uh, you, you know, the other folks in your life, while you're alive and well, uh, all of the bad stuff is held in abeyance. <laughs> and in terms of their relationships with each other's, but uh, wh- when you die, then the greed comes out and the dysfunction comes out and the infighting comes out. And that's, uh, I mean, it doesn't happen in every family, thank the Lord, but it's, it does happen in a number of families. And we've all seen that happen. And it's, it's unfortunate when it does. Uh, But if you have a good plan, then you're keeping that from happening, which is really important. Excellent. Well, Bill, I've got uh, some other topics that I want to pepper you with when we come back from the break. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. and We've spent much of the morning here talking about wills. And if you need assistance with that, if that's something that you want to take care of, go to WGALaw.com. Schedule an appointment to see Bill or you can call 919 256 
7,000. Bill, we're going to switch up topics here, and we're going to talk about a word that maybe strikes fear into some people, and that's prenuptial, prenuptial agreements. Well, they're actually uh, – now, prenuptial agreements, are, and they're called different things, prenuptial agreements, premarriage agreements, antenuptial agreements. Uh, that, but the bottom line is it's a contract that you enter in with, uh, with your fiancé uh, in other words, generally prior to marriage. Now, you can also, a lot of folks don't realize it, but you can actually enter into an agreement, similar agreement, after marriage. It's called a post-nuptial agreement or a post-marriage agreement. Uh, but why is it important? Uh, and, and, of course, the f- first thing is we all know that in first marriages— it's very, very rare for folks to consider having a pre-marriage agreement. Why is that? Well, it's real simple because most of the time in a first marriage, neither person, husband or wife, have diddly squat. <laughs> they, they have no property. They're, you know, they're hopeful. Uh, they may be educated, but uh, they uh, may have good opportunities. But at the time of their marriage, they really don't have anything to try to protect. And so it's pretty rare under those circumstances. However, you do see premarriages in first premarriage agreements in first marriages when uh, uh, one of the spouses uh, is coming into the marriage with a lot of property, uh, and the other one is not. Um, but even even then, some oftentimes there's no premarriage agreement. So it just it depends on circumstances. However, when you're looking at second marriages or third marriages or whatever, then premarriages uh, premarriage agreements become extremely important and. It's, it's not, and it's for two reasons, and some folks don't think about it, but yes, it, the, main, the primary purpose is so that you can control your property at your death and protect your own natural children, okay? Now, I'm going to come back to that, but the second reason that is just as important is if you marry somebody and you don't have a premarriage agreement, do you really think your natural children are going to embrace that person who, in their mind, is there to take their inheritance away from them? I mean, the bottom line is if you want your children to embrace your new spouse, having a premarriage agreement actually allows them to do that, (laughs) you know. Uh, and if you don't, you're basically pushing your children away from that marriage. And so that now you have to understand that if you marry someone, whether it's a first marriage, second marriage, third marriage, doesn't matter which one it is, um, and then if you do not have a premarriage agreement, then your spouse, is entitled to a portion of your estate, whether you want them to have it or not. In other words, if you don't leave your estate to them or at least a a portion of your estate to them, then they can dissent from your will 
uh, or your trust and take uh, whatever the legal portion is for them to take. And that portion varies depending on, uh, in North Carolina, how long you've been married and sometimes whether or not you have children by that new spouse or not and the like. But, But you don't fully control. Now, with a prenuptial agreement, uh, you can, in fact, waive. Now, this is a mutual waiver. You're waiving, they're waiving rights to your estate, you're waiving rights to their estate. Uh, you can waive the potential for any kind of alimony to be paid. You can waive uh, spousal years allowance. And at least in my book, it, all of those kinds of things should be waived uh, so that there are no strings attached other than love and affection for each other. Uh, Now, a prenuptial agreement does not keep you, it doesn't prohibit you from leaving anything you want to leave to your spouse. But it's your choice if you have a prenup. It's not mandatory. Uh, And, and of course, uh, in most of the trusts that we do, you can't do this in a will, but in a trust agreement, we actually can do what we call remarriage restrictions. It doesn't restrict you from getting married, but it incentivizes you to have a premarital agreement for the next marriage. Otherwise, it cuts you off or limits your access into the trust that your, that your deceased spouse has left uh, for your family. And, of course, the main thing is that the prenup allows you to leave your property to your children the way you want to leave your property to your children. And that can be in various forms, but at least you're in control, total control, as opposed to being limited in terms of of what you can or can't do. And, of course, probably the most important reason is, uh, uh, and there are a lot of folks uh, that will tell you that men can be really stupid when it comes to uh, second and third marriages, and we will, I'll be the first to say that there is a percentage of people out there who are there to take advantage of, of folks who were vulnerable after their spouse dies. Uh, and they're vultures. You know, they're not any better than con artists. Uh, uh, and we've all seen that happen. And they're there to take your estate away from you and take it away from your children. Uh, and, you know, some after you get married uh, and the honeymoon's over, it's like, who is this person? <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, a prenup protects your ability to make decisions after marriage that are in your best interest. So because uh, oftentimes you don't realize uh, who you, you've gotten married to until after the fact. And so it's just it's just good advice to have a prenuptial agreement, particularly uh, with a second or third uh, or, you know, multiple marriages or whatever, but or when there are uh, a, a real discrepancy in the assets that or debts that people are bringing into the marriage. Just another example why planning is so important and having that expert guidance is important as well. Schedule an appointment to see Bill. Go online to wgalaw.com. You can also call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. 
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. And Bill, before they kick us out of the studio, you had one uh, one more parting shot you wanted to say with well, regard it, to prenups. Jason, when it comes to prenups, the first thing I should say, we don't do them in our office, but they are important as it relates to estate planning. And both parties should have their own attorneys. You should not go to one attorney asking them to do a prenup for both of you. That's not good. You both have your own attorneys. And it needs to be executed, uh, discussed and executed well before the wedding. <laughs> Great advice, Bill. That's wonderful advice. Again, head over to WGALaw.com if you need to schedule an appointment with Bill. Maybe you want to get your uh, will made up and you want some guidance on that. Go online to WGALaw.com. You can also click on the seminars button to find information there, or you can call the office 919-256-7000. We're out of time for today, but we hope you'll join us again next Saturday at 11 for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a wonderful weekend.